Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome one and all to the Storybox podcast. Place to be if you're a lover of stories, learning, growth, and if you want to improve your life. My name is Jay Phantom, and I've made it my purpose to unbox and share the amazing stories from people all over the world of every profession. I'm grateful and truly blessed that you're here today and that you've decided to listen in. Now let's dive into the story box together and hear more about whose story will be unboxed today. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to the Storybox podcast. I'm Jay Phantom. If you don't already know or if you're a new listener, great to have you here listening in. Today, my friends, I have another, another exciting episode. And this one is a little bit different because my next guest actually answers his phone during the conversation to make two people feel like they mean something, which is honestly never happened before on this story box. And I didn't want to cut it out because I wanted you to hear how Bob interacts with these, these people that gave him uh, a call during the interview. And you're right, my next guest is none other than Bob Goff, the New York Times bestselling author of multiple books, uh, Love Does, Everybody Always and Dream Big. I love all three of his books. They are full of stories, full of laughter, full of joy. And I know that if you get the book, you might also enjoy reading them as well. But for those of you who don't know who Bob Goff is, Bob actually calls himself a recovering lawyer. After practicing law for 25 years, they're becoming the honorary consult to Uganda. He gave up his law firm to pursue writing and speaking full-time. And can I say, uh, we all benefit as a result of that because he's a great speaker. The best part has been connecting with so many people who are on a terrific adventure as well. And it was great. It really was great to connect with Bob and you'll soon figure out why. Bob has this incredible ability to change up your life. Bob has inspired millions to dream big and make life more awesome. He is driven by the desire to help others unlock their potential to love and be loved by a lot greater in their life. What goals and dreams have you been putting off out of fear or the thought that you can't do it, that it's too hard? And the chances are, especially in this conversation, Bob can talk you out of those thoughts and send you charging into your next adventure. This is a great conversation. I know you guys are really going to enjoy 
I'm going to make this intro short because I want you to get the most out of it. But Bob and I talk about love, the power of love, and so much more. So if you do get something from it, please share it around to your friends and family. Let them know of this episode. Show a bit of love to Storybox. It's greatly appreciated. And please leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you do, make sure to subscribe. And you can also check out the full uh, video interview now over on YouTube. Just type up the story box or it's in the show notes below. Anyway, I belated on the point too much. Let's dive into the story box and hear the incredibly powerful story of the man who desires us all to dream big, who shows nothing but love and is always ever present. I'm talking about Bob Goff. Hey, thanks a million for having me. Good to be with you. It's an absolute honor to have you here, sir. I can't wait to actually unbox your story today. Um, yeah, I can't wait to learn a couple things from you. <laughs> this is going to be fun. Um, before we dive into your backstory, how you got started doing all this amazing stuff, I have one question that I love asking all my guests to start off with, which is, what does success look like to you? Oh, yeah, I think it kind of starts at your family or the people that you love. So for some people listening, they have a given family and others, they have a chosen family. So whatever family of friends, it's that you feel a sense of connection and depth in those relationships uh, that would last. So I'm not a big sports guy. So if I started talking about sports, you'd know I was going shallow. <laughs> so for somebody else, it might be the deep end. But for me, I just go like, yeah, that isn't something. So uh, there's kind of a difference between people that snorkel and look down at the fish and people that shipwreck dive. And uh, you can't do that with everybody. But I want to put the scuba tanks on when it comes to my friendships with my family that we're going deeper than uh, ankle deep. Mm. Um, so that's success. And then if you uh, have something that uh, the uh, business world says is viable, then uh, then that's awesome. Mazel tov. That's great. Go for it. So I, I uh, build schools and they're expensive to build. And so I could either sell cupcakes and people would die because I'm not good at it. Or I could write books. And I like if it's a typo, like everybody's fine. Uh, so that's what I do. Find a way that doesn't feel like a success. That feels like kind of cracking the code on how to get something worthwhile done. Mm, I love that. I love the deep and meaningful aspect of life rather than just the surface level. I feel like there's a lot of people out there that are kind of very, very shallow and they kind of like being in the shallow end. Uh, but I love people that actually go into the deep end. That's who I am. I suck at small talk. <laughs> <laughs> I yes. love it. I love this. You get hoodies made. You can have a hoodie that you, you never have to work another day in your life. Just say like, yeah, but if you uh, it would be an interesting exercise, if you took away all the small talk, what would you have left to talk about? Exactly. It'd be like, oh, wow. So in some relationships I have, I recognize it's all small talk or it's all transactional that we're talking about some project that we're working on. But I kind of want to pause and to say like, um, let's just talk about life. Like, what does it feel like to be you right now? Um, and let me start by telling you what it feels like to be me right now. So maybe some self-disclosure so that you can say, uh, let them know this is about me mugging you, asking you for 
uh, level of intimacy I'm not willing to provide myself, but setting the guardrails a little wider apart and to say, uh, let's talk, check this out. I put my cell phone number in the back of two and a half million books. This is a call from the cell phone. Here, here let's take it. Hello, it's Bob here. Oh my goodness, hi. Hi there, hey, listen, I'm talking to a friend right now. So I can't talk, but call back in an hour. I'm happy to say, hey. Okay, sounds good. Okay, bye. Thank you. So I get I get 100 calls every single day for the last decade uh, uh, from the back of the book. Isn't that awesome? And for this gal from Texas, um, she just wanted to know if somebody would really answer if she dialed the number. Yeah. And I just think one of the things that we can give to one another in addition to authenticity is availability. Just be available. I'm never the smartest guy in the room, but I promise you I'm the most available guy in the room. That is incredible. So tell me about, because you're a very busy man, I can imagine. Why in the world would you put your phone number in the back of a book, firstly? And secondly, how in the world do you find the availability throughout the busyness? Well, I don't know. Have you ever uh, found somebody you liked a lot, like it made your heart skip a beat? Yeah. I'm telling you, I was in law school. I was a really busy guy until I met Maria. Then I had all the time in the world for her. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Like you think you're really busy until you find somebody that you love. And you'd be like, I'm not busy. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just got things going on. Yeah. And so, yeah. uh, so in the same way, maybe what we do, I've noticed that people that write a lyric to a song or hit the drums just the right way or play the piano or write a book, they got less available rather than more available. And I look at some of the people that just changed earth forever, Jesus, uh, not only Jesus, but other people, and they seem to be just uber available. And before there was even uber, they were just available. And so I thought, what if I just try to get as available as some of the people I admire um, because something weird happened. There started being people that write a lyric to the song or something, and then they're less available or a pastor of a big church. And then now they have middlemen and a Jesus is like God. And he didn't have anybody. He picked 12 guys and one of his own Sunday school class guys went south on him. So I just thought, why don't I just be available and see what happens? So I just know, while I don't know this young lady from Texas, I know I'll hear from her in an hour, but I know between now and then she'll feel tremendously honored that I just said hello. I feel so, I feel the same way as as her because when I reached out to you, you you responded literally within like five minutes of me sending the email. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Because <laughs> normally it takes like days or a week or something like that for me to actually get a response. And sometimes that response is a no. And But you gave me a yes. And I was like, this is incredible. So what I want to ask you, Bob, is have you found it challenging sometimes to actually say yes to somebody? Well, actually, yes is pretty easy. Uh, it's saying no and like disappointing people. Because I, I bet your listeners could identify with this. I just think we're all insecure. We're just insecure about different things. And so you can find somebody that feels really confident about one thing, and that's terrific. Uh, but you'll find that they'll be insecure about something else. And so if we just realize that we're all insecure about different things, uh, one of the things that is super helpful to do is to figure out what you're insecure about and why you're insecure about it. So for instance, I don't like saying no to people 
uh, because I'm I'm not insecure about being liked uh, because I'm a I'm a nice guy. Um, but what I'm insecure about is that I know what it feels like to be rejected. And so uh, I remember the pain of what that feels like. And it's not a harrowing story. It just makes me like everybody else. And so when I say no, I don't want them to feel what I felt uh, because it reminds me of what it feels like. And also um, I have a thing about, what do you guys call it? Being a tall poppy? Yeah, tall poppy syndrome. Yeah. Yeah, just be like, no tall poppies around here. Like, just like, just chill out. And one of the things you can do is just stop sending people to voicemail. Or to your point, I get five or 600 emails a day. I just answered five or 600 emails a day. I just answer them. If they're nice enough to think about me, I just answer them. Now, I don't send them three paragraphs, uh, but I don't say like, yes, no, and maybe. I just honor them. Look, wouldn't that be a life well-led if you could just try to, honor the people around you. And in here in America, we've got a lot to learn about that. Um, we've got some people that have been real jerks. Um, and so um, when I'm trying to do this idea of like uh, loving your enemies, I, I don't have a bunch of enemies, um, but there's some people that I don't think uh, highly of. Uh, there's one running our country for another week and a half. and uh, And so how do you love difficult people. And then the realization for me is that I'm one of the difficult people. Mm. Like I'm actually, we all think that we're just such a delight to get along with, but I actually realized I'm difficult too. Now I'm not comparing myself to another person who's a real jerk. Cause I know I've been around myself long enough to know I can be a real jerk, mm. but God never compares what he creates. And so I'm not trying to compare myself to you. I'm not trying to be nice. You can't be nice enough, swell enough, generous enough, available enough to be loved by God. I just think you're loved. So I think that's the kind of the underpinning for me. I want to get to that in a moment. But firstly, I want to ask you about the, the faith aspect and, and God and how you actually became a Christian and, and came to faith. What's the story well, behind man, that? I'm still on the track. <laughs> I'm still trying to figure it out. So like with the uh, that idea of becoming a Christian, I feel like that is a work in progress. Like I'm not there. It almost assumes that I made it. Um, but one of the things that has been important to me is to decide what is true in my life and not try to make that true in everybody else's life. Mm. Um, as soon as you love people and you have an agenda, even an agenda that is uh, that you've met people in faith communities where they say, well, I found Jesus. And so now you need to find Jesus. And so let me help you find Jesus. And go like, that's loving somebody with an agenda. And uh, as soon as you love somebody with an agenda, it's a program. Mm. And I don't think we need any more programs. Or I think we just need people that are available that love people. And there's nothing on the other side of the equal sign. Mm. It's not the, I'll love you. And I've got something to teach you or I'll love you. And if you do this, you'll have a higher level of acceptance with me or with God or somebody else. I just believe you're already loved. You're already accepted. It's just, uh, and they, uh, we don't lead people to Jesus. Jesus leads people to Jesus. What you and I can do is just love difficult people <laughs> and start, start with yourself. <laughs> and if you have a problem with that statement, you're a really difficult person. <laughs> 
hundred percent. I have to agree with you on that one. And God says in the Bible, love your enemies. He doesn't say it's going to be easy to love your enemies. <laughs> no, he just said it would work. Yes, exactly. Isn't that crazy? So we got a clown. You can still speak truth. We got a clown doing nutty stuff around here uh, that they're going to throw out on his can really quick. So you can call uh, things for what they are. It isn't just saying like, well, you know, your truth, my truth, like whatever's good for you. I'm going, not going for the lowest common denominator, but I do like this idea when Jesus was talking to his dad, it was John 17. And he said, that my uh, his goal was that we would be one, and the and then sometimes people confuse being one with being the same, and so I don't think oneness means sameness. So you and I can be in different countries, thinking different things, having different life experiences, but we can still be one without being the same. And where it gets nutty is when people confuse oneness with sameness. I want you just have the same worldview that I have and value the same things in the same order that I do. Instead of just being so dazzled by what God's doing in your life that I stop comparing your life to my life. Mm. I'm just delighted. I'm looking past you because I'm on Zoom here and I'm seeing these pictures. I see Jurassic Park, like a little poster up on the wall and some other stuff. Is there a Star Wars thing going on back there somewhere? Jaws. Um, one, of, one of the things that has been important to me is to be, um, I want to live a noteworthy life. Uh, and not noteworthy like people will think swell things or put my face on the side of a mountain in the Dakotas, but uh, to, to be so engaged in my life that I'd want to take notes on it. Uh, and it's making me think about this uh, I, it was George Lucas that did Star Wars, and uh, he always carried around a moleskin with him, and he took notes in that thing. And he was doing, he was scoring the movie American Graffiti at the same time he was writing Star Wars. And somebody asked him about a clip in that, and you identify the clips by what role and what dialogue number. So it was role two and dialogue number two. And George Lucas wrote down, I am not kidding, R2-D2. <laughs> Mind blown. Yeah. yeah, but because he was taking notes, and then when it came into something else, he said, well, well I call the little robot. He's like, R2-D2. Like, so if you live a noteworthy life, then what you'll find is if your head's on a swivel and you're taking notes and taking, uh, Paul talked about his buddy, Timothy, in Philippians about uh, a guy who takes a genuine interest in people. That's kind of cool. And Michael, I'm not trying to talk people into Jesus, out of Jesus. I'm not his PR guy, and I'm sure not his lawyer. And the crazy thing is I'm a really good lawyer, but he doesn't need one, and I'm not good enough if he did. <laughs> right. What what have you, okay, so for a young person listening to this at the moment, now most of my audience is a lot of young people, and when you talk about love, now, what I'm curious about is when God says that he is love, what have you noticed that actually means for a young person listening to this and explaining that to them? What does that mean? Yeah, my uh, daughter, Lindsay, was in high school and I told her, you know, some guys are going to come milling about and asking you to the prom and all that. So what I want you to do is ask them when they ask you to the prom, ask them, what's your definition of love? And um, 
And because they're guys, they won't know. So send them home. But they come back and tell me what you think love is. And I'll tell you if I'll go to the prom. And if they come back and say it's like butterflies, you can get that from bad pizza. Love is sacrifice and commitment. And so if we keep in mind that love means sacrifice and commitment, if you think in your Christian faith, if Jesus is someone you identify, that's an evidence of sacrifice, like right up to a death. Um, a commitment to say, even though he was God, he became a man. And so that kind of thing, what if, what would it mean in my marriage to sweet Maria after 34 years? It means just taking out the garbage. But my goal isn't to be the best roommate she's ever had. Um, there's something deeper than that. It's, it's that commitment to just say, uh, just you, not you and whatever else. And so maybe if faith is resonates with people, they'll say it isn't, well, Jesus and these four other things, but it might be uh, the kind of love that would be committed and then not uh, having a, all the doctrine right, but having all the theology right. Mm -hmm. So I've met a couple of people that have great doctrine, but they suck at people. <laughs> they have a lousy theology. I want to have great doctrine and great theology mm -hmm. and loving people without an agenda and with sacrifice and commitment, that's great theology. Mm. It's actually pretty good doctrine too. Mm. Uh, I completely understand. Why do you think that it's hard for people to actually love somebody else, even though they are lovable, quote, why do you think it is a problem for some people? Oh, yeah, because they're really insecure like me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's it. That we're all insecure. So we just said like, well, so if I love you, will you reciprocate and love me back in about give or take about the same quantity? Just say like, that's what insecure people do. People that aren't insecure, they, they don't keep track. They don't keep score. Um, and so it's not a criticism. I'm just taking a page out of my very insecure life. Mm -hmm. And so this hope uh, that I have is that what God will do inside of me is it make me so I'm not keeping track of that, uh, that I'm not trying to uh, be on par with other people, that I actually have something amazing to compare uh, that little puny bit. We kind of uh, round up. Uh, we, we give a smidgen of love and we call it a pound of love. Mm -hmm. uh, we give a pound of love and we call it a ton of love. <laughs> and to say, just call it what it is. It's the best I can do right now. Wouldn't that be just a great way to talk to each other? It's it's the best I can do right now, but to really make sure it's the best you can do right now. Um, and that would be a high mark for me. Um, and it isn't like we need to do better to earn God's love. That's like that's the crazy, inexplicable part of faith. Mm. You can't be good enough, smart enough, humble enough, uh, swell enough. You just, you just get it. It's like grace draws a circle around everybody and says, you're in. I'd be like, no, not the jerk. <laughs> There's no way. And he's like, no, no, no. Get this. Like the biggest jerk is like right there with you. Insert whoever you think is the swellest. Mother Teresa. I don't know your mom, like whatever. But is like they're tied for first. I mean, like that is so unfair. I'm like, exactly. <laughs> so one of the things that I'm trying to do is just tend to my own fire. I'm not trying to tell everybody else to do with what their fire. I'm just trying to fan the coals on mine.
Mm. How do you keep your your positivity, your energy alive, Bob? Like, is there any moments that you have like that you're tired and you you don't like dealing with people? Yeah, <laughs> I think back in my wayward days, it was like probably some non-prescription additives. Um, but now, uh, what keeps me uh, positive is just having it not be about me. Like I've got so many, we're building right now two schools in Congo in the Virunga jungle. And I'm just so pumped. We just finished one in Afghanistan and I'm just like itching. I teach at a Pepperdine Law School, but I also teach at San Quentin Penitentiary. And so uh, these guys in San Quentin in my class, uh, most of them were in there. I'd say we went around the circle and uh, the average unserved term is 110 years. So they've they've had a couple setbacks and they've caused a lot of pain in people's lives. Um, but one of the things that we did, it, we were out in the yard where everybody's pushing weights around and getting all ripped. And, <laughs> and uh, I said, hey, if you wanted to get something off your chest, like for me, it would be the barbell. Uh, but you. if you want to get something off your chest, what it would it be? And the guy on my left said what it would be for him. And he's kind of estranged from his family. And then somebody is talking about their kids and their wife and took a while, but we got around to the guy on my right as we finished the circle. And he said, uh, you know, I've been in here for 20 years and uh, I've been telling people the whole time that I didn't do it. He's still got a hundred years left on his sentence. And he paused and he said, I did it. Mm. And there was something beautiful in that moment. He was the freest guy I've ever met. That's something about in uh, scripture talks about, like to confess to each other, like just say what it is. Like say, I don't care what your faith looks like. Let's just talk about what it is. I don't care about what your marriage looks like. Let's just talk about what it is. And I'll start by talking about what mine looks like. Mm -hmm. uh, instead of asking you to disclose what's going on, let me just set the table by a little self-disclosure myself. And I think if we could get those things off our chest, we'd live more free lives we'd be a lot more humble. And we saw a, a jerk tearing down Washington, DC. Uh, you could call it for what it is, uh, but you could then get back to tending your own fire and tending to all the people who are so traumatized by what they've seen. To say it's instead of me uh, thinking about how compared to that person, uh, I'm so swell and they're so bad. I'm just going, what if I just focus on what are the needs I can meet right now? I want to be less of an umpire calling balls and strikes. And I want to be a base coach telling people to just keep running your race. Mm. Mm. I'm curious, Bob, speaking about difficult people, and I can only imagine that you would have had to deal with some very, very difficult people in, in your time. Um, the most challenging person that just wouldn't relent. What, what, would, what did you do in that moment? Well, you know, it's it's crazy. I've just such a, a checkered and varied background. Um, one of the things that we spend time doing in Uganda is uh, there's this awful practice of child sacrifice. And so what the witch doctors will do is take young children and kill them. They'll sacrifice them. And But in the history of Uganda, isn't this crazy? Here. Hello, it's Bob here. Hey, Bob. Uh, your big idea framework. Oh, great. Hey, Rusty, give me a call back in an hour and I'm just talking to somebody now and they'll give you a shout. Sure. 
All right, man. Talk to you then. Yeah, yeah. No, just call me back. That'd be awesome. Thanks. So we try these cases against uh, witch doctors in Uganda, and uh, they've never taken on a witch doctor uh, who's tried to sacrifice a kid because they're scared of these guys. And uh, But we're just not scared of them. They're punks. Like Jesus just has all the power. And so I really believe about speaking truth to power on that stuff. And we, I tried the first death penalty case against a witch doctor in Uganda, and we got this conviction, but that doesn't make me the hero of the story. It doesn't make me the victim of the story. It makes me a participant. And so for all of the people, young and old, that are listening, I just want us to get off the kick where we're trying to make ourselves the hero or we're trying to make ourselves the victim. Just make yourself a participant. Mm. But when you juxtapose that with loving your enemy, here's this leader of all the witch doctors, and I started meeting him on death row where I put him and I, and I came to just learn from him because he's not like, there's no appeal. You're just going to die there. Um, and uh, we got together and got all 3000 men on death row together. And we spoke to them and it was just so crazy because we developed a relationship. He did wrong, but that, that doesn't separate him from grace and it doesn't separate him from me. It just separates him from society. And, and, uh, and since that time, it was about five years ago, we started witch doctor schools and I've got about 250 witch doctors right now in school. And we don't teach them how to be witch doctors. They already know they are creepy dudes, but we teach them how to read and write. And so my point is this, can we find the people that creep us out the most and engage them because I've realized about myself that the people that I've spent my whole life avoiding are the ones that Jesus spent his whole life engaging. Mm. And so I'm trying to engage the people that creep me out, not so they'll grow and change. So I'll grow and change. There's a lot of hate in the world. You can, you can see it, whether it's on the media, social media, or just playing out in different countries. Do you ever see love conquering all of that? in the future? I think there's always going to be people divided for the, all the reasons we've been talking about that people, because we're fundamentally insecure and we're uh, all very selfish, me, the most of them uh, ahead of everybody. Um, that selfishness is going to leak itself out in these distortions of what would be authentic love. We'll just do our best at loving people. And uh, oftentimes it will work and sometimes it won't. And so there's always going to be people around and we in America uh, should be ashamed at the leadership or lack of leadership we've given. And I'm going to spend the rest of my days apologizing for that. Um, one of the things that I hope we can do is that in my own personal life with the people I can impact and influence that I can be a humble voice. And the best way to do it is to be available to a young girl in Texas and a dude named Russ uh, and to just say, just not send them to voicemail. Um, and I think the, the it, we think it's going to be the big stuff, but I believe it will be the small stuff, like just saying hello, uh, that'll make the difference and just being supportive and saying, how can, how can I help you? There's a friend that has a, uh, if uh, you listen to contemporary Christian music or country Western that comes out of Nashville, there's a guy that uh, is the counselor for all the record labels. So all of their artists that do the big hits, 
they go out on the road and they screw up their families and their friends and their everything by doing 60 cities in a row because it just we weren't made to do that. And then he's the guy that they all go to. And he's got a place that's called Porter's Call. And I was like, a porter, I think it was like a Sherpa that carries all your stuff up Everest. But a porter in the Benedictine tradition has this job. He goes down to the gate every day and he asks people he meets, how can I help you on your way? And I feel like I updated my resume about 10 years ago to become a porter. I just want to help people along the way. And I don't have to go everywhere with them, but I could meet them and say, is there something I have that can help you on your way? I don't know. Do you want one of these? Do you like, what, what do I have that I can help you with? And sometimes people will say, what advice do you have? And instead, I would give that a little bit of a twist and I'd say, don't tell me your advice, tell me your experience. Like, yeah. so I've sailed to Hawaii and back a couple of times. And I had a guy from Ohio tell me how I should get there, what I should do. I said, oh, wow, have you like seen the ocean? He's like, no, nope, never seen it. I'm like, wait a second, you're a guy who's never seen the ocean telling me how to cross it. Uh, and I think there's a lot of people that are telling people how to sail on an ocean they've never been on. Uh, so when somebody tries to even correct me in a faith community, uh, they'll say, you know, I think this about that. I'll ask them, I got a question for you. Do you know Jesus uh, uh, asked 300 questions and he only answered two? And so what I'll do is I'll say, tell me why the ocean water is salty. And they'd be like, I don't know. I'm like, well, you figure that out and I'll answer your question. <laughs> so something is evident that's like around us. It's like two thirds of the whole marble is covered in this stuff. Um, so I want people to take an interest in what's around them rather than taking a having an opinion about my life. Don't tell me what you think I ought to do. Tell me who you think I'm becoming. Yeah. Tell me who you see I'm becoming. And don't tell me your opinion. Tell me your experience. So if some, somebody says, uh, how do I find the best girlfriend? I'd say, well, actually, I, I wanted a girlfriend in junior high school. It never quite happened. Then I wanted one in high school and that didn't happen either. So I rolled that into college and that didn't happen either. <laughs> I've only had one girlfriend. I met her the second year of law school and I married her. And like, <laughs> that's it. So I have no experience. I suck at that. <laughs> I just, and I think if we had people that just talked about their experience rather than all their opinions, and the underlying idea, I want people to meet Jesus. I don't want to meet my big opinion. Uh, so tick, pick the big social issue of the day, uh, who someone loves, uh, what they do, how they go. I'm just like, I, I want to talk about the kids in Yemen. And not to change the subject, it's just actually what I spent this morning trying to do is uh, get a cargo plane, fill it full of food, and land it in Yemen. And so that isn't a big audacious thing. Uh, we did the same thing in Somalia. I got a cargo plane out of Italy, flew it to Kenya. We filled it full of food. But here's the deal. God isn't dazzled when you go across an ocean. What blows his hair back is when you go across the street, like right there in Sydney, right here in San Diego. Because the other stuff sounds big and magnificent and all that. And you know you're on the wrong scent if you became the hero of that story. Mm -hmm. um, but if you just became a, a participant in the pain of your neighbor who you live 30 feet away from, 
that's hero's work. You see why people, this man is such an inspiration to me. <laughs> his, uh, his example, yeah. his, his truth and his authenticity, it shines bright. Like, I, I don't know if you've been listening to this and everything that you've been saying, it's all true. You've lived it. And all the amazing work that you have been doing, I applaud you for that. And I say thank you because you're helping me share this kind of message to so many people that actually need to hear it. So you have one person start a chain reaction to somebody else. So thank you, Bob, for that. Um, it's, I'm it's just so glad we're all in it together. I think uh, we, like it's just we're all like so weird. Uh, but we, each of us is good at something and all together we make one really well-adjusted person. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's going to take all of us. <laughs> so you bring your game, I'll bring my game. and It all, it all ends up working if we, if we allow it to. A um, couple more questions for you, Bob, because I do want to be mindful of your time. Um, speaking of questions, has there been a question that has been on the forefront of your mind that you haven't been able to get an answer to yet? Oh, gosh, I, we don't even know why bananas are yellow. Uh, <laughs> no, like, look it up. <laughs> I got so many questions. Did you know uh, a, a strawberry isn't a berry? <laughs> oh, oh. Mind blown. Yeah. So I've got a long list of questions. I've actually written down all the things that I'm curious about. So when we get to heaven, they say it's going to last for eternity. I think I'm going to fill the time. <laughs> I've got a couple questions. I and and so maybe if we could each be writing down the things that they were wondering about, that we're actually curious about, uh, and not just silly things about what color bananas are, but instead to say, why is it that we would be so vastly different, and then some people would be really easy to connect with, and other ones very difficult? Mm. Uh, why would it be? <clears throat> that I have to be, it was more important for me to be right than to be Jesus. Um, there's a guy that is leading one of our big social justice movements uh, across America that you guys are familiar with. And uh, he is one of the founders of this thing. And and he's just actually everything I'm not. He's vulgar and he's got a mouth. And just like every time I hear him say, I'm like, holy moly. Well, uh, he ended up uh, you know, trending on Twitter about something that wasn't flattering. And so I knew somebody who had his phone number. So I called him up and I said, Hey, it's uh, Bob Goff here. He's like, Bob who? I'm like, I know I get that all the time, but <laughs> I said, I just want to let you know that I was really sorry that like, you know, it's gotta be a tough week. And in a moment of authenticity he said, man, you don't know uh, the half of it. I've gotten six death threats this week and I got to move. Uh, my mother-in-law lives with me. I got two kids and a wife. And, and so I paused. I said, like, can I help you pack? And he said, yes. So I flew across the country. He's on the East Coast. I flew over there, showed up at his door. There's a box. It says China on it. I didn't think it was the country. So I picked this thing up and I'm I, the bottom falls out of the box. I break every plate he's ever owned. I've known this guy for one minute and I'm standing in the rubble of all of his China and he looks at me and I think I'm going to get an earful. And he says, rookie mistake. I'm like, I love this guy. Now, 
he hasn't changed. He's still vulgar and in everybody's face. And he's completely different than me. Uh, but we're friends. And you know why? We shared an experience. And to his detriment, we shared an experience. There's a book out there that's called When Helping Hurts. I would be like page one. <laughs> so I thought I was there to help and I really set him back. So here's my point. I think if what we could do is engage some of the people that we've avoided, I think we'd be further down the line. And that's what I'm working on. I love that story. <laughs> so good. Um, my my second final question for you, Bob. Now, because we're sort of touched on the topic of food, I'm curious, what has been the weirdest food combination you've ever tried? Oh, I was in uh, Beirut and uh, there, there was some stuff going on there that we thought we could be helpful with. And, uh, and uh, uh, actually every bridge had just been bombed. <laughs> <laughs> that was just like it was, and the jets were flying overhead. And uh, so somebody invited me to this meeting that I shouldn't go to, and I just knew I should not go to. So I stayed behind with another guy who was shouldn't have gone either. And uh, he said, "Do you want to? Uh, do you eat bird?" And I'm like, "Well, yeah, I'm like pheasant, turkey, you know, like a Cornish game hen." Uh, and so I'm like, yes. And so he ordered for us and they brought what looked like a plate of parakeets. Like they're birds, <laughs> these little sparrows, and they still have the feet on and the beak, uh -huh. like everything. I'm like, no, it was like a, it was an episode of like, you know, who could gag first, but <laughs> pop these things in. So I'm really careful when somebody says, say, give you the bird dates, just be like, oh, oh, sparrows come to mind. Yeah. <laughs> Fear Factor, that's the name of that movie. Oh yeah. my goodness. Yeah. If you ever get over here to San Diego and I invite you for bird, then just like uh, say like, now nah, I'll get a hamburger. I'll, I'll <laughs> a Vegemite sandwich, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that that is yeah, that's funny. <laughs> oh, uh, um, composure. Okay, my my final question for you, Bob. This is my all-time favorite question that I ask everyone at the end. It's a hypothetical one, so I want you to imagine with me for a moment that you have been able to reach the age of one hundred, and your friends and your family have decided to put together a film for you of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. Don't ask me how in the world they got it all. We'll call it magic. They've been able to get it and show it to you on your hundredth birthday. What do you want that film to say and to show about your life? Oh, what I'd want it to show <clears throat> would be the people that I love. It would it wouldn't be a movie about me. It would be about the people and how they impacted me. Mm -hmm. Like that I became a little bit different because um, if you've ever had a coat that picks up lint, like you you don't know how it became part of that code, but it, it's in there. Uh, I would want to see all the, like in fast forward, all the people that shaped me and moved me along the way and to see little glimpses of their story in mine. And that, so sometimes you and I are taking the, the bows for lessons that we actually learn from somebody else. And so I would want, before they roll the credits, I would want to be all the people that shaped us and then I think the other side of heaven, I think that's what will happen. 
I think we're going to bump into people and that there's going to be, it's the focus will be on Jesus. But I think that there'll be people that will meet and they'll say, this is the way that you impacted me that you never knew. Mm-hmm. Um, and even scripture talks about that. If you make a big deal about what you do, you get a little golf clap. But if you keep it a secret, you get to talk about it forever. So that's what I'm trying to do, which is really a problem for a guy who speaks and talks on podcasts and all that. It's like when I get to heaven, I say, oh, remember the time I was living in? Like I heard the podcast. Really? Oh, and then there's that time that I go like, oh, I read the book. And so what I'm trying to do is keep a couple things secret um, uh, because Jesus said to him, he said, don't make a big deal about it. Don't be a tall poppy. Be humble. What's next for you, Bob? What's what's on the cards for you? And where can people find you and connect with you? Yeah, we started a retreat center uh, here in San Diego because uh, I'm a grandpa now. And so I just decided we're going to let the party come to me rather than me go to everywhere else. So for the last 10 years, I've been in 120 cities a year speaking to people. And now I'm not. So we got this retreat center. And then immediately COVID shut everything down. (laughs) We have like tumbleweeds, like blowing through this thing. Um, But I'm just really looking forward to when we can all get together. And uh, and then it's a place I think I just want people to get super real about whatever's going on in their life. So so that's where I'm spending my time. We're putting in a vineyard. Uh, We started this morning. And uh, the crazy thing is I don't drink wine. (laughs) I don't drink anything. (laughs) Water on a good day. Um, But I love to create. And so just that idea of creating something out of nothing. Uh, So 9,000 vines are going to go in in the next 60 days. And so that's what I'll be doing. I'll be planting a little vineyard. (laughs) That is amazing. (laughs) It's going to be fun. I'll let you know how it goes. Please do. That, that'd be fun. Um, and people can find you at bobgoff.com, your Instagram handles, everything like that. They can buy your yeah. book, all that. Yeah, wanted up. posters, milk cartons. <laughs> it's all there. <laughs> you can look it up. <laughs> yeah. But, um, Bob Goff, thank you so much, sir, for your time, for your energy, your enthusiasm, your authenticity, and for loving, for loving me today enough to be here. Really do appreciate you. So great. Thanks a million. I really don't like this part because it means that sadly we have come to an end of yet another story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you would like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on all podcast platforms. It is that easy. And if you did get something from today's guest, please do share it around with your friend or family member who you feel could benefit from hearing today's story. And before you go, I greatly appreciate it if you could spend 30 seconds leaving a rating review over on Apple Podcasts. It goes a long way to reaching more people and building this community of the Storybox. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one you heard today. Your support is always greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you then. Hold up. 
What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Mm. 